You guys ready for the word? Okay. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your word. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Lord, we just submit our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that anything that I say today, if it's of me, if it comes from my own mind and heart, Lord, I just pray it will fall to the ground and come to nothing, Lord. But your words, Lord, your words will remain and there will be seeds planted in good ground bearing fruit that remains in our lives, Jesus. Lord, in Jesus' name, speak to us this morning. Amen. Amen. So how many of you guys have experienced or taken part in some personality tests sometime in your life? Like everybody's saying, goes, oh, it's great. There's like this personality test craze or, or phase or whatever you want to call it that's like swept the nation over the last few years. It's not as hot as it was before, but... Um, is, how many of you know your Enneagram number? Yeah, okay, right. So uh, Enneagram, uh, it's the, uh, the Myers-Briggs, right, the personality test. The, the, how many of you guys know the DISC test? All right, so a little more old school, the DISC test. And then um, Strength Finders, Strength Finders. That's actually a really, that's a really cool one. It's a little bit different. Uh, Gallup Strength Finders, check it out. Um, so a lot of cool tests out there and stuff and uh, and it appeals to our desire to know more about us. <laughs> and uh, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy, like, taking the test and discovering new things or things that I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that is something cool, you know, or a spiritual gift test or whatever. And so uh, I find it unique. And I think sometimes uh, it's helpful to have an outside perspective, right, because there's just certain things that we don't know about ourselves or we don't see in ourselves, and our spouses are really good about helping us with that. Um, they will let us know. Uh, so that's helpful as well. Um, but we also know that a test can't define us, right? We can't be defined by some kind of a personality test because we're far too complicated as human beings to be defined by a test, right? But it is helpful to have those outside sources uh, because I think there's a lot of things that we, we don't know about ourselves, including where we want to eat. We, we don't know where we want to eat. How many of you guys who are married, you've had the moment where you get in the car and you're going to have a date night or something and with your spouse and you're like, so where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. Uh, where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. And then, yeah, and then like, oh, just whatever you want, whatever you want. And then they say something like, oh, I was thinking Mexican. Well, I don't really want a Mexican. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You just said whatever I want. Uh, I, I love it. <laughs> so we, we even have a hard time deciding where we're going to eat let alone the big questions of our life of, man, what is God calling me to do? You know, what is, what, is, what is he asking of me? What is the calling of God on my life? And those are big questions. And those are hard questions to answer a lot of times, especially on our own. But that's what the world sets us up for, you know, uh, for, for teenagers. They have to answer that question at the age of 18, what God's calling me to do with, my, with the rest of my life? That's a big question when you're that age. 
to have to figure out and to answer. And that's a lot of pressure. But if anyone knows the answer to that question, it's the Lord, right? It's God. He made us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every, every single thing about us. And so if we want to know, hey, what I'm here for, he, God knows that. He knows our eternal purpose. He knows the unique giftings and callings and longings of our heart, things that he's placed within us. And so if anyone can answer the question about calling, then it would be the Lord, right? And so that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my message is The Calling Question. The Calling Question. So we're continuing in our series on living on purpose. Last week, we talked about stewarding our passion, right? We all have a drive, something in us that desires meaning in our life, purpose. We want our life to make a difference. We want it to matter. And so there's something in us that's driving us towards that. And it's from the Lord. God put it in us because we, we were created with a purpose. And that's why we desire purpose, because God wired us in that way. The question is, what is that purpose? And so we talked about how God directs that to our eternal purpose, something that lasts much longer than the temporary purposes that the world offers us. And so we are meant to be in the world, reaching the world, people who don't know Christ, reaching them, but not of the world, not adopting their standards for living and their definitions of what life is all about. And so we talked about that, that last week. So this week, we're going to take it a little bit further, and we're going to look at this idea of calling, this question about calling. So we started with the life of Joseph. Last week, we're going to continue in the story of Joseph in Genesis 39, verse 1. So it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, so he'd been sold into slavery by his brothers to the Ishmaelites, and they had taken him down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him with, from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted to his care Everything he owned from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he had owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So naturally, Potiphar seeing all this stuff be blessed, he's like, yeah, uh, you take it. Every time, every time Joseph touched something, oh, it's, it's, it's prospering. All right, well, you touch this and have this and have ownership of this because it kept being blessed and everything that he took ownership of. So verse 6, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate, which we already know that that's a hard enough thing to figure out what food we're going to eat. So Potiphar had enough on his plate. Plate, literally. Get it? Oh, woo! All right. This is fun. <laughs> so, so Joseph continues to prosper uh, wherever he goes. Uh, he continues to serve faithfully and excellently, even though the conditions of his life are far less than ideal, right? I mean, he isn't doing what someone may have called his calling. Well, he's not fulfilling his calling, right? Because it's, it's not to be a slave to an Egyptian master. That can't be his calling. 
And so, but he was taken from a position of prominence. He was stripped of his robe, of his title, of his dignity. And yet Joseph continues to thrive. He continues to succeed in everything that he puts his hand to. So let's, go, let's look on uh, verse 6. Now, Joseph was a well-built and handsome man. Good for Joseph. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, naturally. Because you are his wife, just in case you didn't know, lady. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Isn't that interesting? He's saying all this stuff about being honorable to Potiphar and, 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 and making sure, like, he's giving me all this responsibility and all this respect. And how, how could I, far be it from me, that I would sin against God? Not Potiphar. So that's interesting. There's a distinction there. So... It goes on in the story. Uh, the Potiphar's wife continues to just bother Joseph constantly, trying to get him to sleep with her. And so finally, uh, the moment comes where there's no one else in the house. He comes in. She grabs a hold of his cloak, says, sleep with me. And he's like, no. And he takes off his cloak and runs out of the house. And he leaves it with her. Well, then she makes up a story and says, oh, he, this Hebrew slave tried to force himself upon me. And so then he, she waited till the master got home, till Potiphar got home. She told her husband. And then in verse 19, it says, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Naturally. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So here Joseph is. He's already been stripped of his dream, his dignity, his position by his brothers, right? Sold as a slave. Well, and then he gets bought by Potiphar, and then he starts to succeed, and everything's going well for him. And he's thriving, he gets promoted, but then he gets falsely accused, and again, stripped of his position, his dignity, blessing, and thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. Kind of sounds a little bit like Jesus. Right? Yet, in all this, he maintains a sense of purpose and calling. He, he's still driven to do right, to live right, to work right, to honor God with everything that he does. He still has that drive within him. How? How does he still have that? I mean, literally, he's been, it's, it's, it's if, one thing if it's once where he's stripped and sold as a slave one time. Right, But for, for it to happen again, I mean, can you imagine him? He's like, everything's going well. He's like, oh, okay, I can see God's in this. All right, God must have a plan. Everything's going well. And, you know, and then next thing you know, this happens. Falsely accused, thrown into prison. And it was like worse off than it was before. What? But yet he continues in the prison to be faithful. So why? Why was Joseph able to continue to live on purpose even when his dreams weren't coming to pass and his circumstances were so dire. I see there's two principles that I see Joseph living by in this passage that I want to look at today. Principle number one, focus on who you belong to before focusing on where you are. Focus on who you belong to before you focus on where you are. 
the foundation of calling, identity, purpose, and life is the fact that God is my God and there is no other. That is life. That's our purpose. That's what drives us more than anything else. And that was Joseph, man. He knew that. And it didn't matter what the circumstances of life were. It didn't matter what changed because that remained the same. He knew he still belonged to God. He still was his. He didn't have to answer to anyone else or anything else before he had to answer to God. Joseph didn't have dramatic changes in his character because no matter what season he found himself in or what circumstances he was in, he was still under the lordship of Jesus. He was still submitted to him. So it didn't matter what changed out here. He's still my God, so I'm still serving him. I still have purpose. Everything else can change. But I still know who I belong to. So I'm not focusing on where I am. I'm focusing on whose I am. And that's why he said, I can't sin against God. Potiphar's giving me this, Potiphar, 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 but far be it that I sin against God. Because that's who he was serving. In all of that work, in all of his faithfulness, he was serving the Lord. Amen? And he didn't lose heart, even in all the trouble that came from his faithfulness and integrity. So that was number one. Number two, focus on who you are before focusing on what you do. Focus first on who you are, who God's called you to be, before you focus on what you're doing. Focus on that first. He, that's what Joseph did. He knew who he was. He knew the character that God had called him to, the integrity God had called him to have, the faithfulness of a servant of God. He knew who he was, and that's what he aligned his life with first. I know who God's called me to be, and that's who I'm going to be no matter what I'm doing. So what I'm doing can change, but who I am remains the same. And so then the outcome was the same. Because he was consistent about who God had called him to be, and he lived that out. Um, you know, he, was, he knew he was still the same, even though his circumstances changed. And a lot of times when we don't know what we're doing, or uh, we're not seeing the calling of God come to pass in our life, or we're waiting on it, it's kind of a question, okay, what do I do in the meantime? And I remember I was talking to Jeremy Sellers, <laughs> and he was saying, well, we prepare. We prepare. When we don't know what we're supposed to be doing, well, let's prepare. And it's not just preparing for what you're going to do because you might not know. But it's preparing yourself to be the person that God has called you to be. Work on that. If you don't know what specifically you're supposed to do, work on being who God's asked you to be. Do that first because identity precedes calling. Identity precedes calling. A lot of times in the American culture, when they talk about calling, like even in the Christian world, uh, we're talking about what we are called to do, action, stuff, right? Uh, Well, I was made to do this, right? And so the idea is I am what I do. I am what I do. That's my identity, right? Doing comes first, right? I'm a human doing rather than a human being, right? I'm made to do, 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 do. That that can take a lot of different directions. But the idea is (laughs) identity precedes calling, but the, 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 the opposite of this, I am what I do, the opposite is actually true. 
What I do flows from who I am, right? I am, therefore I do. I am, therefore I do. We see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. We talked about this, right? It says, for you were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You were, you are, live as. Identity precedes calling. Who you are before what you do. Live as children of light, verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's part of our calling. What pleases the Lord. So calling flows from identity, not the other way around. And calling is an expression of identity. Is an expression of of who we are. So in the truest sense, when we talk about God's called me to do something, what we're saying is God has asked this of me. That's, that's what we're saying. God called me to be a missionary. Okay, God's asked me, he's told or commanded me to do this thing. So he's asking something of me. He's commanding something of me. That that's what calling is. It's this transcendent command, but it's also specific. A specific transcendent command is calling. But because these commands come from the Lord, not just from our job or something else, they carry weight, right? And so when we think about calling, it's like this heavy thing, like not heavy isn't like sad, but just meaty. It's meaningful. It's substantive calling. And it's because of who it comes from, right? Our calling is something that we throw all of our passion and ambition into because it's from the Lord. Because it comes from heaven, then everything we are, I'm called to do this. So we invest our passion and our ambition. And ambition isn't a negative thing. Selfish ambition is negative. But ambition is just desiring the best possible outcome. That, that I just, I want to have the most intimate relationship with God that I can. That, that's a good thing. We're aiming for something good, Right? But because of the Western world saying, hey, you are what you do, then career, that idea of career, becomes the primary source of our identity, right? And so the problem with that is inherent. It's obvious that if who I am is what I do, what happens when I stop doing it? <laughs> what happens when my career changes or my job changes or I lose my job? Well, then that means I lost my identity and my calling too, in one fell swoop. That's a huge loss, right? But it's not who we are. That's not what the word of God says. But think about the pressure that we put on college students. So much pressure. Because ultimately what we're telling them, what this world, not we, but this world is telling them, is if you get this wrong, you'll never know who you are. You better get this right your career path. You better get it right because then you're, you're not going to know who you are because your identity is what you do. So you better get it right. And gosh, that is a lot of pressure. But that's not true. So as the church, we should be raising up young people who say, I know who I am. I know who I am. 
I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm blameless before God in love, blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm a representative of Jesus on this earth. I'm an ambassador of a heavenly kingdom. That's who I am. And what I do is a part of my life, but it doesn't define me. Man, how powerful is that? There's stability. There's a foundation in that, in knowing who we are, in defining that first. And then our calling flows from our identity. Remember, passion is great as long as it's directed in the right place. It's great as long as it's directed in the right place. I remember we did this video one time when I was a youth pastor years ago, and we interviewed people. We went around to just random people, and we asked them this question. We said, tell me who you are without saying your name or what you do for a living. And so people would be like, uh, well, my name is, oh, no, I can't say that. Oh, what, I'm, I work at, oh, shoot, I can't say that. And, oh, gosh, um, so wait, what was the question? <laughs> tell me who you are without saying your name or what you do for a living. Well, well uh, and it, it was amazing. I mean, just no idea. And so finally, people would catch on. Well, I'm a mother, or I'm a daughter, you know, uh, I'm a human being. <laughs> like, it was so funny. But then you ask believers, immediately they had an answer. Tell me who you are without saying your name or what you do for a living. I'm a child of God. Like, they, they immediately. So, who are we? Who am I? What is, so if identity precedes calling, then, then who are we? What, is the, what does the word of God say about who we are? We want to find out who we are, right? Who God's called us to be. And then the calling will flow from that, right? Okay, so who are we? Let's look at what the word of God says about who we are. Number one, we are a child of God. <laughs> I am a child of God, right? So we're a child of God. That's who we are. That's our identity. So then our calling flows from that, right? And our calling is in that is to seek to nurture a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's, that's something God has called us to do. We are children of God. And so part of our calling, our purpose in life is to seek to nurture a loving relationship with him, giving and receiving love, right? And the thing is, we invest our passion and our ambition into this end because it's calling. It has weight. So we invest it. So we are passionate and ambitious about nurturing this love relationship with our Father. That's our calling. What are we called to do? Well, now we know that's one thing. We're called to do that. Number two, identity first. We're followers of Christ, right? We're disciples of Jesus. There's a lot of different ways you can say that. We're believers, you know, whatever. We're followers of Christ. So that's who we are. So then I am a follower of Christ. So therefore I do what? What is, what is my calling that flows from that identity? We seek to obey the commands of Jesus and to follow his example in this life. And there's a lot of other things we could add to that. But we seek to obey him and to follow the example of Jesus. And again, this is our calling. So we're investing our passion, our, amb our ambition into this. This is who we are, what God has called us to do. And it's a natural outflow of our life. Okay, so we have identity. 
we have calling. I am, therefore I do. Child of God, follower of Christ. Number three, we are a member of a family. And family has diverse expressions. You know, sometimes it could be an adoptive family. Um, our, our guardians could be our grandparents. There's a lot of different ways that families come together. But we are a member of a family, and so therefore we have a role, a calling within that group, within that family. So that's who we are. We're a member of a family. So our calling then is to seek to live out the biblical example of a godly spouse, child, parent, sibling. We seek to live that out. That is how we fulfill our purpose or our calling as members of a family. So for instance, if we are parents, then we know that our calling is to raise our kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We know that our calling is to train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. We know that our calling is to not provoke our children to wrath, right? And to love them, which sometimes I am guilty of doing that, you know. Um, but sometimes it's funny. All right. But that's our calling. That's a calling of God on our life. So we can be passionate about that. We can be ambitious about that in a healthy way. Right? We're called as kids to honor our fathers and our mothers, to, to listen to them, to, to treasure their commands in our hearts, especially when we're in their homes. <laughs> right? It's a calling of God in our life. When, if you're a spouse, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Sacrificial love. That is a calling of God has weight to it as one of the ways we live out who God's called us to be. Wives, respect your husbands. Now, how often do we view those things in the same light as someone who doesn't know Christ views their job or their career? Where they're, all of their passion, their ambition is in that, to succeed and to grow and do all these amazing things. And they have all these goals and all these things they want to do. Do we have that same kind of passion and ambition as a spouse? Where I know, man, I'm, I'm fulfilling my calling, right? A lot of times when we think of calling, we're like, to be a missionary or to do this thing or whatever. And it's this God, this kingdom thing, it's great. But there's a calling within our family. And we carry that weight and we have that same respect for that calling and living that out, investing our heart into that passionately. Because that's something that God has called us to do. That's what he asks of us in those roles. So do we treat them with the same respect? The calling as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, as a, as a spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling. Loving people well. Number four, a member of the body of Christ. This is part of who we are. Part of our identity is we're members of Christ's body, right? The body of Christ is made up of many members. Each one does their own special work so the other parts can grow, so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Ephesians 4, 16, right? So we're all part of the body of Christ, right? So then what is I am that, so therefore I do what? We seek to love and serve each other sacrificially. 
love and serve each other sacrificially. Jesus said, right, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, if you want to be first in the kingdom, you need to be last. You need to be a servant of all. He said, hey, I'm washing your feet. Do what I do. Wash each other's feet. Love each other as I have loved you. So love one another. And that is a high calling, right? But to serve and to love one another in this body, sacrificially, that's something that God has called us to do. It's part of our identity in Christ. So we are called to do that. We hold that. And then, again, our own special work, discovering what is that? What is my special work in this body, in this family that God is calling me to? Discovering what that is and then living that out. And we're going to talk about discovery in just a bit. Number five. I know there's a lot. Only two more, I promise. Number five, something that we are, that part of our identity is we are workers. We were created to work. God created us to do work. That's a good thing. Work is a gift. It is a gift from God. Right? And so we are created to work. And then I am a worker, so therefore we seek to work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord with everything in us and whatever we do, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, Colossians 3.23, right? So we do it wholeheartedly and we're not idle. We're not to be idle. Scripture is very clear about that. We don't want to be idle. So we are going to work and we're going to do it with all of our heart as unto the Lord and not for man, just like Joseph, right? Joseph exemplified Christ-like character in his work, integrity, faithfulness, good work ethic, being excellent in his work, doing the best of, to his ability, everything that he can do. But we're created for work. Genesis 2.15, Adam, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care, to take care of it. This is before the fall. So God said, hey, I got a job for you before the fall. The work wasn't a result of the fall. And I were like, darn it. <laughs> It's a gift. It's a gift from God, right? So he gives him a job to do. And then even in the new heaven and the new earth, we will work. And you're like, dang it. All right. I thought it was vacation time. It's good. It's good, guys. It's a gift. Isaiah 65, verse 22. He's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. He says, my chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. So we're going to have a job. We're going to have something that we're doing. It's not like we're just going to float around on clouds and play harps, you know, like babies or something, you know. That's not heaven. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. So Paul admonished the Thessalonians to work and not be idle. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Wow. <laughs> that was intense. All right, Paul. Right, but he said, don't be idle. Follow our example. We worked. We worked hard among you. And he said, imitate us in that. Imitate us in that. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as unto the Lord and not to man. Uh, the Theology of Work Project said this. I thought this was a good quote. Say, God created you as a worker, and he commands you to work, even if he doesn't mail you a specific job offer. <laughs> it can be difficult to discern the particular work God may be calling you to. But there can be no doubt that he made you as a worker and that he expects you to work to the degree you are able. 
So again, God's not going to ask us to do something that we can't do. He's going to empower us and equip us for the things that he's calling us to. So we're not meant to put ourselves down if there's something that we can't do. God's not calling us to do that if we can't do it, right? He's calling us to do what he empowers us and equips us and enables us to do. So he's called us to work in some way. And that could be being a stay-at-home mom. That could be being a doctor. That could be a pastor, whatever. He's called us to work. And it's not about the type of work necessarily. He's just called us to work, right? Okay, last one is that we are an individual. We are an individual. as part of who we are. Meaning, we have a unique expression of the image of God in this world. There's only one of you, right? God didn't make multiple ones of you. There is one. There's one person, and he's placed certain things in you, a certain personality, temperament. We all know that. He's placed certain strengths in you, certain gifts. He's given you certain desires in your heart that are unique to you. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't share the same passions. It doesn't mean that we don't have some of the same strengths. But God has created us unique. And there is something specific for us that he has for us to do. And you see that in Scripture. God called certain people to do certain specific things. And so our job is to discern what he's asking of us, right? What is he asking of me? And then say yes, just like praying, like with the first thing. Just asking the Lord, what what would he have me do? And then saying yes to that. So as an individual, our calling is we seek to discover, obey, and surrender to God all our longings and gifts. All of our longings, desires in our heart, and all of our gifts to the Lord. So discover, obey, and surrender. So this is what I mean by that. Discover. So God has placed, like I said, certain desires in each of our hearts. How many of you guys have like certain hobbies? You have a hobby, something that you like, like you like to do on your own time. Okay, it's great. There's a desire that you have. And guess what? Your hobbies are all different probably. There's different things that you like to do. Okay. So God's placed certain things in our hearts, certain desires in our hearts. But our job is to ask God to search our heart. And see if there's any wrong way in me. Because there are desires and longings in there that are not good. <laughs> right? There's things that we have in our hearts, things that we long for that are unhealthy. And so the first question that we need to go to God when it comes to discovery is asking him, God, what longings are pure? What are from you? What, what in my heart, these different desires, what's from you, Lord? And then filter out. The things that align with this world, the cravings of this world, right? For physical pleasure, all things seen, pride in our achievements and possessions. Okay, so we can filter out the cravings of the world. All right, that's, that's, those things are passing away. And then also, there might be longings and desires in our heart that have unhealthy attachments. Maybe because of an insecurity that we carry. Like, man, I want to I wanna do really good in this job so I can prove to my dad that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worth something. Or I, can, I, wanna, I wanna do this because the, I see that people that do that seem a lot happier. Or I wanna do this because um, that's a prominent position and the people respect that. And so do you see what I'm saying? Unhealthy attachments, that there's a motive behind it that's unhealthy, that's, that's not good. And so we seek the Lord, we say, God, I'm presenting everything that's in my heart before you, Lord. Lord, fil- help me filter this out. What's, what's of the world? What's maybe unhealthy attachments? And then what's you? What are the pure longings? So discovering what those are first, things that align with the word of God that are good, and then ask God, all right, 
what are, what are my gifts? What are the strengths? What are the things that you've put in me um, that are unique to me? And sometimes that is helpful to, to ask your spouse or ask a friend or, or do a personality test or something. Sometimes it's helpful to know, oh, I didn't realize that was a strength of mine. I didn't realize that was a gift of mine. It's good to know that. And so we start with discovery. All right, here's the longings that we know, the desires in our heart that are pure, that are good to the best of our ability. And here's the strengths and the gifts God's given me. Okay, so we've discovered these things. So step two, obey. Ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to pursue? I have these desires, have these longings, but what are you asking me to pursue? What are you telling me to pursue, God? And then listening, finding out what pleases the Lord, right? Ephesians 5.10. What do you want me to pursue? And then God may say, I want you to, you know, pursue this. And we're like, okay, great. I'm going to go do it. And he's like, eh, nope. What? Not right now. Yes, I'm calling you to do that, but this isn't a season. And that's the second question. God, what are you calling me to pursue? And then, second question, when? <laughs> when, Lord? And a lot of times, the when is not now. But it's not specific. He's not like, hey, in two years, you're going to do this. Five years, you'll get to do this. And in 10 years, you'll do this. That's not how God operates. He just says, wait. Thanks, God. So what are you asking me to do? And then when? And then the last thing is surrender. Surrender. Say, all right, Lord, these are the desires of my heart. And listen, there might be things that are in our heart that we desire to do that we're not going to get to do in our lifetime. It's okay because we can trust the Lord, right? He's good. He has our best interest at heart. So there may be things that we don't get to do in our life. That's okay. We're going to trust God. And we're going to surrender those desires and those longings, the ones that aren't fulfilled, we're going to surrender those to him. The ones that he has asked, that he has asked us to do, we're going to surrender those to him. The timing of those things, we're going to surrender that to him. And then lastly, the fruit of those things, we're going to surrender that to him. Whatever comes from that obedience, whether it's a huge harvest of righteous fruits or whether we don't see a thing, it's about obedience. Saying yes to God, and he has his reasons. So we surrender the desires, the timing, and the results in God's hands. Amen? Amen. So I want to close with this. Um, there's, there's a peace that comes from knowing who we are, whose we are, and why we're here, right? There's this, this fulfillment that comes with knowing that. Um, and we all desire that, and God desires that for us, that peace, that contentment in our lives. But we can know exactly who we are, who we belong to, and why we're here, and still have inner turmoil and anxiety, and worry, and like stress, and of course, because we're human, we're broken, right? So even though we have all this knowledge, we can still feel unsettled within our heart. So it doesn't come down to knowledge. It comes down to trust. Who do we trust? Do we trust ourselves, or do we trust the Lord? And so are we going to take these things, these big questions, 
the calling of our life. And are we going to surrender that to God? Or are we going to try to take ownership of that? Or are we going to surrender it to God for a season, and then when nothing's happened, then take ownership of that? (laughs) Right? God's asking us to trust him with every area of our life. And listen, he won't leave us hanging. He's not going to leave us hanging. He's good. And he's faithful. So, um, so this is what I want us to do. Everyone here, let's just take a moment. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And these are big questions. There is nothing I've heard more as a pastor than prayer requests for discernment. Discernment, discernment, discernment. God, what is God calling me to do? What's he calling me to do? What's he calling me to do? And so this is what I want us to do. We're just going to take a moment. I want you to take those things that you have a desire for, longings within your heart, things that you know, you know what they are, and maybe they're unfulfilled or they're, you're waiting or whatever it is. And I want us to take a moment and just acknowledge that God is worthy of our trust and surrender those desires and those longings to him. Lord Jesus, right where we are, Father, we surrender the longings of our heart, the desires of our heart to you, Jesus. God, unfulfilled longings, God, Lord, we trust you. Lord, you know, you know what's best for us. And so we trust you with that, Lord. Lord, for the things that you've called us to, and we know you've called us to do them, but we're waiting. Lord, we trust you with those. Lord, we give you those desires, and we surrender those to you, Father. Lord, we trust you with the timing of our life and our calling. Lord, in the fruit, Lord, for the things that we're living out, that we're being obedient, we're, we're doing what you're asking us to do, and we're not seeing fruit. Lord Jesus, we surrender the results to you, Jesus. Whatever comes from this, God, we surrender that to you. Lord, it's up to you, Jesus. We're going to obey. We're going to follow you. We're going to love you. And we trust you to steward our hearts in this, God. To steward our calling and purpose in this life. Lord, it's in your hands, Jesus. And Father, remind us of who we are. As children of God, as followers of Christ, as members of the family, members of the body of Christ, workers, individuals. God, remind us of who we are and what we're called to do. And anytime the enemy lies to us, and says that we don't have any reason for being. Lord, I pray that you will bring up this, this truth, the truth of your word. Lord, and we will stand on this truth, God. This is who we are. This is what God has called us to do. And it doesn't matter what circumstances come, what season comes, what changes in our life, what we can't see. Lord, we belong to you. We know who you are, and we know who we are, and we're going to trust and obey. Lord, we love you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Um, man, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. And I, I, I do think that that is a lie. The enemy likes to bring up a lot. Is that what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Doesn't make any difference. What are you doing? We hear it all the. I hear it all the time. And I, I'm, I'm a pastor, but all the time, you guys are like, why do you hear that all the time? No, because I'm human. <laughs> but um, that's the lie. That's a lie. 
We have so much. Our lives are rich with purpose and calling. Man, that is exciting. We can be excited about that. So I'm excited about this this season. Um, So last reminder, um, refresh initiative again. We're kicking that off next week. Take this home. Pray about it. Seek the Lord. uh, And just be obedient to what he says. And I love you guys. Appreciate you. And uh, have a great day. We'll see you next week.